Good morning, and welcome to Intermission, where we press pause to hear your story and talk about how to be the light in a world that can feel so dark. So grab your coffee. It's time to wake up. The truest, most beautiful life never promises to be an easy one. We need to let go of the lie that is supposed to be. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. I am Mern, and welcome to the Intermission Podcast. That was a quote from Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed. And I'll even read it again. The truest, most beautiful life never promises to be an easy one. We need to let go of the lie that it's supposed to be. It's on page 70 of Untamed. And yeah, I don't know about you, but life has um, felt like a lot lately. You know, I started this podcast over a month ago, and it just felt like a lot has been happening and going on in the world. And in my life, I have been feeling more like more than usual. And it was right around the time that George Floyd was murdered in Minneapolis that I picked up the book Untamed and Olivia and I committed to reading that when we were at the beach for my niece's graduation trip. Um, I was hesitant to go in the middle of a pandemic. And also it was very important to spend that time with her and so we, you know, practice social distancing on the beach and the ocean can be very healing and um, was very privileged and blessed to get to go and spend that time with my family. We had a lot of difficult conversations uh, around racism, about life, and in reading Glennon Doyle's book, Untamed, there were several things that stood out that really spoke to me. And uh, one is that she also says in the book that this life is mine alone. So I've stopped asking people for directions to places they've never been. There is no map. We are all pioneers. And just really starting to own my choices, own and listen to my own inner voice, like with what was going on in the world and around me uh, with George Floyd, with Breonna Taylor, all of the ones that have been murdered and their life ended too soon. Uh, it was a challenge, to say the least, to look at my own life and the choices I'm making. And one of the things that I think about in that time is like, I almost didn't want to start to look deeper at my own like biases and my own prejudices. And also what I've learned is that we can't heal what we don't acknowledge, which also requires us to feel a lot more. <laughs> so I've been feeling a lot more in... What I've realized in the last month or so that I've shared um, in the 300-hour 
teacher training. Um, I've shared with Olivia, with close friends that I think I've had a fear of feeling sad or, yeah, just feeling something other than joy and happiness. And that's kept me from going deeper in the past. And when it comes to feeling, we have to feel it all. And Glennon, uh, if you haven't read the book Untamed, what are you waiting for? Um, It's a book to read and then share, like pass it on to someone. If you're listening to this and you don't have a copy and you want a copy, I will share mine with you. So reach out to me. Um, In this book, Glennon reminds us it's okay to feel all of the stuff you're feeling. You're just becoming human again. You're not doing life wrong. You're doing it right. If there's any secret you're missing, it's that doing it right is just really hard. Feeling all of your feelings is hard, but that's what they're for. Feelings are for feeling. All of them. Even the hard ones. The secret is that you're doing it right, and that doing it right hurts sometimes. Glennon says, I did not know that before the woman told me, that all the feelings were for feeling. I did not know that I was supposed to feel everything. I thought I was only supposed to feel happy. I thought that happy was for feeling and that pain was for fixing and numbing and deflecting and hiding and ignoring. I thought that when life got hard, it was because I had gone wrong somewhere. I thought that pain was weakness and that I was supposed to suck it up. But the thing was that the more I sucked it up, the more food and booze I had to suck down. Mm. There was this idea that I'm, I'm the myrn burn. I'm myrn. I'm always supposed to feel happy. This was something that I placed on myself. And through the last month or so, I've had a lot of feeling, like really letting myself like feel sad at times. This pandemic, you know, right out of the gate, um, even getting Shakti, getting our yoga online, like the stresses around that. Can we do this? Can we make it happen? What will become of Shakti? Like what will happen through all of this? There was a lot of fear and a lot of unspoken fear and sadness just beneath it of what might happen. So I saw myself not even asking Lauren and Kelly like how they were feeling or bringing to the surface that I was afraid of the future of Shakti and stuffing it down like just moving forward on to the next like how can we do better you know how can we get more classes online is everybody taken care of I was caught up in the busyness of taking care of everything and everyone around me that I wasn't letting myself truly feel, which is missing like so much of life. Like we're meant to feel it all. Like she said, the pain isn't for numbing or fixing. It's to, to feel like to feel the pain so that we can heal and truly move forward, like stronger and learning from whatever has happened, like learning the lesson from it so that we don't have to learn it again. So thus began um, my journey into 
myself, really, like giving myself the experience of myself um, in an even more powerful and complete way. Part of that was starting to um, acknowledge acknowledge my circle, acknowledge um, the community of Shakti. Like Shakti is a place that I've always felt welcome. And I believe I shared in another podcast um, and even in a newsletter for Shakti that it's a place where I walked in the door in December of 2012 and felt welcome and safe to do so. And also I'm a white woman who, while I'm part of the LGBTQ plus community, I was able to hide that and literally hid it from my friends who own the studio. Um, they weren't my friends at the time. I just hung around till it got awkward and then they became my friends. But I was still hiding that part of myself that until I knew it was safe to share. And I think about people of color, like if a a black woman wanted to come to Shakti, like, would she feel welcome? Would she feel included? Would she feel like she belonged? And so we just started looking at Shakti as a team. And I started looking at myself um, and my choices and the way I'm showing up. And we decided to do a diversity, inclusion, and belonging training with Jessica Thompson Williams here in Nashville. We did it virtually, and it's we completed part one of a two-part training. But one of the main things that um, we started to uncover and put our attention on was our implicit biases. So for me, like a bias of uh, one example to share, if if I saw a black person walking towards me on a sidewalk with a hoodie on, like I have a bias running in the background because of where I grew up, the environment around me. So I have that implicit bias that there's something to be afraid of or concerned about. And then that bias could turn into discrimination or there's a controversial term right now, but it was called a microaggression on this training, which micro kind of diminishes it to mean like it's minor. And it's definitely not minor, but my bias of be concerned, watch out, I turn that into discrimination or a microaggression if I cross the street in order to not be near that person. And so just starting to bring my blind spots into focus through, you know, the practice of yoga, like an awareness of my thoughts, meditation. So in my interview with Erica Jones, if you haven't listened, like she's incredible diversity and inclusion leader. And she shared that meditation mitigates biases. And so just being more like a witness to my thoughts so that I then don't act on them. I don't turn the biases into a negative action that might harm or will harm someone else. I also think about that when I approach 
a homeless person standing at the corner of a street in Nashville, like I might have a bias about them, like maybe a, a tape running in the background, like, oh, they could have made other choices, like their choices led them there, or I'm going to somehow be annoyed or whatever, and then I switch lanes so that I'm not near them, so I don't have to make eye contact with them. Like that is an implicit bias that turned into an act of discrimination or a microaggression. Now, I'm no expert on any of this, so let me just say for the record, this is me like learning. This is me just owning and learning and making the higher call at the next step. Like my Angelo says, when we know better, we do better. So what I'm practicing now is, oh, I just had that thought. Now I can choose to act on it or not. There's a, a pause. And that is the work. That is the work, like bringing more awareness. And um, I was going to share one of the books that I'm reading with Shakti. We do something called Yoga Off the Mat, um, like taking our yoga practice into our life. And Jessica Hetrick leads that every other Monday night. And by lead, I mean, she holds space for us to have a discussion. Like none of us claim to be experts in anti-racism. And also we want to do better. We must do better. And we are a yes for Black Lives Matter and a yes for making the higher call at the next step and owning where we've dropped the ball, owning where we've caused harm. And um, on page 20 of White Fragility, this is a book by Robin D'Angelo. She says, prejudice is foundational to understanding white fragility because suggesting that white people have racial prejudice is perceived as saying that we are bad and should be ashamed. We then feel the need to defend our character rather than explore the inevitable racial prejudices we have absorbed so that we might change them. In this way, our misunderstanding about what prejudice is protects it. This whole book is about... Um, why it's so hard for white people to talk about racism. Like we've somehow made racism a slur. I think it was Ibram X. Kendi in his book, um, How to Be an Anti-Racist, he talks about like racism being used as a slur, but it's, it's just a descriptive fact. So just acknowledging what's underlying, what has been absorbed from our environment and calling attention to it. Like in White Fragility, Robin D'Angelo goes on to say that discrimination is action based on prejudice. So do we take our prejudice while maybe it's running in the background? Like I grew up in an all-white town, all-white high school, and also was taught to love everyone. I was taught to love everyone and considered myself you know, I'm not racist. You know, I I don't want to be discriminated based on my sexuality. I don't want to judge anyone else for the color of their skin. Right? And then I had the interview with Derek Billups. Again, if you haven't listened, highly recommend. He was on 
the podcast. And I remember like looking at him and this was early on. This was right when all of this, you know, just really started to bubble up the talk about racism and anti-racism, but I wasn't quite comfortable talking about it yet. And if you listen to the podcast, like you can hear that. I, it was just being, just scratching the surface. And I remember looking at him and thinking like, he is exactly like me. Like we are all the same. And since then I've realized that that is part of the issue or the challenge that we're facing in the country right now, in the world. Until I see him for who he is and what he's gone through, what his ancestors have gone through, nothing's going to change. And so that's why I believe that we must say Black Lives Matter. And until Black Lives Matter, we all don't matter. And I know that that might not land for some of you listening. And that's why we have these conversations, like to talk about it. Yes, like all lives matter. And if if there's a block that won't let you say black lives matter, that's just something to explore, like something to look at. And I highly recommend the book White Fragility, How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, and also just having conversations. Like I have been challenged to have uncomfortable conversations and to truly listen, like really like generously listen to black voices. Like what do they have to say? And listen without the need to defend. I had a conversation recently with a dear friend and listened to how I haven't shown up to make them feel welcome. And probably a month and a half, two months ago, I would have wanted to defend that. I would have wanted to give ways that I thought I was showing up and, you know, put it back on them in some way. And um, and she is an amazing, incredible black woman. And I dropped the ball. Like it was a blind spot for me. And to just listen to her share, hopefully was the start of a new way to move forward, to build trust again, and yeah, to be in the work, to be in the work. And so through all of this, I think about how how do we move forward, right? So as I said, like this time has felt has felt incredibly heavy at times, and I know it's not just for me. Like it's for you, I'm sure, that's listening to this podcast. And like I just talked to my friend Sarah before recording this, and she said, I feel like I'm walking around with ankle weights on. I'm like, yeah, I hear you. I hear you. And I think we have to let, not have to. I don't know if I've shared this before, but I am, I've taken the word have to out of my vocabulary and then I notice it when it comes up as I just did and I've switched it to I get to yeah like I get to pay the mortgage because I have a home I get to wash my clothes because I have clothes you with me like we get to do this work we get to feel 
because we're having a human experience. You know, very recently, I allowed myself to feel deeper and kind of have a breakdown to break through, like the kind that puts you on your knees and you just let it out. And I acknowledge my partner, Olivia, for trusting and staying next to me through that. And what I found was like that happened one Saturday morning. I think it was actually last Saturday morning. And it was exhausting in the moment. And then afterwards, there was like this release. Like I was still pretty tired from it all because it had been like a pressure cooker. If you have an instant pot or a pressure cooker, it's like that. It's like everything has a lid on it. And it's just stewing. It's just stewing inside. And when I finally let myself feel and had a safe space to let it out, something shifted. And that night, Olivia and her sister and her mother and myself, we went to see Garth Brooks at the drive-in theater. He was doing a show at 300 different theaters across the country. And we rented a pickup truck because that is just what felt right. And we loaded up some barbecue and some mixings to make margaritas. And we backed that truck up and set up our chairs and little solar-powered string lights along the bed of the truck. And we listened to Garth Brooks and we sang. And about three-fourths into the concert, it started to rain. And as soon as I started to feel the drops of rain, they felt cold, even though it was warm. It was a warm night. It felt cold. And my initial instinct was pack up everything you can, protect everyone around you, and get in the truck. Like, protect yourself. Like, this this is not good. Abort. And then I paused. Like, there was this inner voice and this awareness of, like, what are you running from? Like, what is so wrong about this? It's just rain. And I set <laughs> the milk duds down. Uh, I love a milk dud, y'all. And set everything else down in my hands. And we danced in the rain. We danced in the rain in Franklin, Kentucky, at the drive-in theater, sang with Garth Brooks, and dance. And it was invigorating. Like I felt vitality and joy and just this freedom. Felt like freedom. And we all just didn't give a shit that our hair was soaked and our clothes were soaked. And we just soaked up the moment. I do believe wholeheartedly that allowing myself to feel that morning, to break down, to open up to something new is why that happened. That's why that happened that night. And like every moment prepares us for the next. I don't want to miss those moments. Like that moment I felt truly alive and awake, right? This podcast, I started it to give us a platform to share our story so that we wake up, wake up to life and I felt awake in that moment and since then. Since then, things have felt less heavy. doesn't mean that 
there aren't ups and downs, but things have felt less heavy. And I just invite you to be with the feelings. Like my yoga practice, one of the most valuable things it's taught me is there's nothing to fix. There's nothing to fix about me or the feeling. It's just to experience and notice and be with. And so like if a friend comes to you and wants to share or they're sad, like just be with them. There's nothing to fix about them. Yeah, just allow the feeling to rise and move through so you can have a new experience. And that's one thing that I, one way that I think we can move forward is allow ourselves to feel and create more awareness. So whether it's through a yoga practice or meditation, just creating more presence so that you can see those thoughts, the biases or the limited self-beliefs, you know, like who am I to start a podcast? That's what would come up for me. Yeah, and the truth is, who am I not to? Like now I can see when those thoughts come up to notice them. Doesn't mean they're not they're gonna go away, but we create more awareness to choose something else. And then self-love and compassion is another way to move forward. Because I think in order to be compassionate with other people and to be kinder and more loving to others, it starts with ourself. This podcast is called Intermission for a reason. Like it's an inside job. It's up to us. So speaking of compassion, grabbing my book, The Yamas and Niyamas. So in yoga, part of the foundation is yogic philosophy. And the yamas and niyamas are part of that. And I'll just share a few lines from the yamas and niyamas. Uh, yoga is a sophisticated system that extends far beyond doing yoga postures. It is literally a way of being, a way of living. Yoga is designed to bring you more and more awareness of not only your body, but also your thoughts. The teachings are a practical step-by-step methodology that bring understanding to your experiences, while at the same time pointing the way to the next experience. So the first um, yama is ahimsa. And ahimsa means non-harming. And when I think about non-harming, typically it's an outward thing, which is true too, like how we are to others. In ahimsa, nonviolence, it says, all of our achievements and successes hopes and joys stand on faulty ground if they do not stand on the foundation built by nonviolence. So like first with ourselves, negative self-talk is harming. It's not supportive. It's not compassionate. It's not kind. So yoga has given me the awareness to notice when I'm coming from a place of harm. Something that they share, um, this book by Deborah Adele, we learn compassion as we dissolve our personal version of the world and grow gentle eyes that are not afraid to see reality as it is. We learn compassion as we stop living in our heads where we can neatly arrange things and ground ourselves in our bodies where things might not be so neat. We learn compassion as we stop trying to change ourselves and others and choose instead to soften the boundaries that keep us separated from what we don't understand. We learn compassion as we do simple acts of kindness and allow others' lives to be as important as our own. When we begin to expand the boundaries of our heart, we can see clearly to act in ways that truly make a difference. 
Compassion is a clear response to the needs of the moment. We see this truth lived out in the lives of the great ones. They act with compassion and skill that truly changes things. So thinking about yoga as a listening, like a greater listening to ourselves, our inner voice. On the phone with Sarah earlier, she reminded me that an advanced yoga practice is listening, like truly listening to what your body needs in the moment, like what your heart needs in each moment and choosing that over what ego says, do more. Knowing that taking a different variation in a yoga pose is compassion. That's an advanced practice. Learning to be more compassionate and kind and loving with yourself can create more gentle eyes in seeing the world. My teacher, Baron Baptiste, says, if you want to change what you see, change how you see. So whatever it is for you, like maybe it's taking a walk in nature, like putting your feet in the grass, hiking, those things that bring more awareness and presence into your being, those are ways that you can start to bring more awareness and kindness and love and compassion and like really listen to what you need in each moment and choosing that over choosing what you always do or what someone else tells you you should do. Just practicing more awareness, doing things that get you present in your life and awake to the moment. Just like my joy pop that I shared earlier, like dancing in the rain to Garth friggin' Brooks. You know what I'm saying? Like, what is it for you? Like feeling what you need to feel so that you don't miss those moments that are precious and Stop assuming. Like recently, we were going to have Olivia's mom and sister over for the 4th of July, and Olivia suggested that I invite my parents. And my initial thought was, oh, they're not going to want to drive up here. Like, mom's health hasn't been great lately. And then the morning of the 4th, I was driving in my car, and I was like, why not ask them and let them say no? And I called my dad and FaceTime him and literally within 15 minutes after inviting them, they were in the car and headed to Nashville and came and enjoyed lunch. And that's something I would have missed. Where are you assuming things in your life and not asking? What brings you joy? <laughs> like organizing my closet with Olivia while her mom's on FaceTime and doing a fashion show while organizing and purging and donating. Like that brought me so much joy. It felt so good. Or like this morning, I decided it's time for a website. And I bought the domain for intermissionpodcast.com. So yeah, what is it for you? Do the thing and you'll have the power how can we show up better and do better? Like do the work, ask the questions and listen. Like ask the questions and then truly listen. Make the phone call that you've been putting off. Yeah, write the letter that you haven't taken the time to do. Like send the text that says thank you. Go see the friend and wake up to what life has to offer. I thank you all so much for listening. I had no idea what 
was to come when I decided to do this and launch the first episode. And you guys have shown up. You have listened. You have sent feedback. You have cheered me on. And I literally couldn't do this without you. And from the bottom of my heart and from all of the crevices of my heart, I say thank you. Just thank you for being you, for showing up for this little podcast that could. And I'm excited to bring more episodes your way. Thank you for tuning in and welcome to Intermission. Intermission.